Welcome to Tough Cookie Talks. I'm your host, Jenna Josephowski, but you can call me Jenna J. I'm a semi-retired professional dancer, dance teacher, and yoga teacher, turned certified personal trainer and kettlebell instructor who helps active women learn to lift and get strong with equal parts challenge and compassion. After years of working in the fitness industry, I got sick and tired of watching people, including myself, run themselves into the ground trying to uphold the narrow-minded image of what our culture sees as healthy and fit. But instead of giving it all up, I decided that I'd rather change the game call out the BS, extract the good, and help others learn to use movement as a way to build themselves up rather than tear themselves down. On this podcast, we'll explore the intersection of fitness and anti-diet culture and all the gray areas in between. We'll let go of shoulds and judgments and dig into tough conversations with curiosity. Things get pretty spicy around here, so grab your headphones and let's do this. Hey friends, welcome to Tough Cookie Talks. Today I'm excited to be talking to my friend and fellow coach Liz Brinkmuller about all things related to running and it's going to be a really, really good episode. This episode was inspired by a lot of conversations that I've had with clients lately related to running in all sorts of different ways, how to work on building your endurance, how to get back into running or repair a fraught relationship with running when you've used it as compensatory behavior in the past, how to incorporate things like traditional cardio along with strength training and find a good balance between those activities and all sorts of stuff. And that is exactly why I decided to bring Liz on to talk about this topic. So after being a track athlete in high school, Liz went through college and had a traditional desk job for about six years. And then after finding her way back to fitness and running, she became certified in group fitness and personal training, and then switched her career to doing full-time personal training. As a former runner with a complicated past with exercising and eating, her goal is to work through all the misinformation in the fitness and running world so that all the clients that she serves don't forget that they have a life outside of a body size and PRs. And damn, if that is not the exact same way that I feel about all of this stuff, I don't know what is. This is a really great episode, and I know you're going to love it and find a lot of value. So let's go ahead and get into the conversation with Liz. Hey, Liz, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Jenna. I'm really excited to talk to you today. You have so many good things that we're just going to be able to talk about that I know that my audience is going to love. So before we get into the convo, can you tell us all about you? Who are you? What do you do? How did you come to doing the things that you do today? (laughs) How did I come to? That's a good question. (laughs) Um, well, I am a trainer that works at a clinic that, um, is also a PT clinic. So we deal with kind of a lot of different types of things, but also lots of runners because, Mm. um, runners run with pain a lot (laughs) and a lot of them ignore it. But, um, so I deal with a lot of runners, um, people who kind of have, um, seasons of races and then there'll be an off season and then another race season and then an off season. So there's a a nice like kind of cycle built in, but I deal with not just them, but regular people who are recovering from injuries too, or, and you know, just normal people who just want to move. Um, and I came to do this, I guess, um, (laughs) through a long drawn out story that I probably don't need to get all into, but I, uh, used to do a part-time, uh, fitness classes, like group, group stuff. Um, and I really enjoyed it at that point in my life. And I also had like a regular desk job and it got to be where I did so much of the fitness classes and I was working that I just couldn't handle doing both anymore. And luckily for me, I was married or I got married. Um, so I was able to quit the office job and be on my husband's insurance and kind of start almost from scratch, but not quite yeah. in fitness. I was very lucky in that sense. Um, but here I am now, full-time fitness person. You like, just think, I don't think I ever asked you before. So you work with a lot of runners right now. Do you work with runners primarily because you were interested in running also before, or did you start learning more about working with runners because you had so many runners coming through your clinic? Um, if that's, that's a good question. That's like kind of a chicken or an egg thing for me. Um, so I have a background in track 
and oh. I I ran in high school. I was not a long distance runner. I never was interested in long distance. I did I called it long sprinting, which is the 400, one lap around the track. So okay. I've come from a running background. Um, and, and when I was deep in diet culture, we can get to that later. I was yeah. also trying to run again to, to do any form of movement. Um, so, um, I kind of fell back into the running training runners. Um, but it's, it's kind of like where I feel the most at home. Cause I know a lot about what they're feeling. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So knowing that you work with a lot of runners specifically on strength training related things, how do you think lifting weights benefits the people who run? Oh my gosh. How, how could it not? Uh, so the first and foremost thing we like to say is, do you want to run without pain or with less pain? Um, a lot of the times the simple, like nagging issues that runners tend to get are are helped with some strength training because mm. it's just maybe a muscle that's weak here or there that um once you strengthen it you know you don't have to worry as much about oh now my knee is bothering me so that's first and foremost but just being able to to be stronger as a person is going to make you faster and better as a runner and and that's just kind of the foundation of strength training for anybody but with a runner in particular um you're going to get faster you're going to feel more stamina you're going to feel stronger as you're running which in turn makes you run quicker and with less pain yeah okay now i'm going to throw you a plot twist are you ready yeah how might run up running potentially benefit those who lift or who like people who primarily lift Okay. Yeah, that's good. Um, so if you are not into running, um, I would never say you, you should run, but if you thought about it and, um, you're not quite sure because you lift more often than not, um, I would say the benefit is amazing first, because mainly all you need are a pair of shoes, Yeah. Right. It's, it's pretty accessible. And I think that's why a lot of people get into it. Mm -hmm. Um, but also, um, the cardiovascular benefits that you're going to get from that are, are great. Like you're, you're going to be able to, um, you know, if you have kids, you're going to be able to run around after your kids and keep up with them better. You're, you know, it's just, I know there's nothing more I can say a whole about like, um, a strong and healthy heart. Right. So if, yeah. if, if you want to add running into your lifting routine, even if it's just for like five minutes at the end of your lift, mm-hmm. that's going to be better for you cardiovascularly and, and heart health wise. And it's good to condition your muscles in different ways. Yeah. That's something I'm standing here. Like I'm asking for a friend, but like, really I'm asking for myself because I think a lot of times running is one of those things. And I talk to a lot of my clients about this, how, I mean, not just running really any kind of, um, like traditional cardio we'll call it tends to be the kind of exercise that I see a lot of my clients abusing the most. And when then they start to let go of diet culture, then they start to get away from those things. But I think sometimes we forget that activities like running can provide a whole lot of benefit outside of the like, well, it burns a lot of calories kind of thing that we all kind of used it for in the past. Because I think, yeah, it's just, it's all very interesting to me. So I guess here's my next question. Do you find that diet culture is pretty present in the running world? Like, what does it look like over there, Liz, with your runners? So um, I can only give you the experience of of the clients that I've, you know, dealt with and the, um, my personal experience. So obviously this is, you know, a group of people in Cincinnati, Ohio. So it's not, it may or may not be true for running as a whole in American society or any society, but, um, from what I've seen, it's pretty prevalent and I feel like it's pretty prevalent just in general, but yes, um, I have a couple of people who came up through the collegiate track and field and, and cross country type thing. And it is, 
extremely built into that culture. Very, very much so. Um, it, it was almost like there's there's bragging rights on how little you could eat and still perform. Oh. And and yeah, yeah. So it's it runs pretty deep. I, and I all again for women especially, um, it was like a it was like a, a badge of honor to eat as little as you can, still go out and run, and also lose your period. That was like a it's like a badge of honor, like, oh, look how hard I'm working. I don't even get my period anymore. So wow. it's, pre- it's pretty bad at, at collegiate level. And I'm sure that that c- carries over into afterward and beyond and, and just the running community in general. Um, and and here's the kicker in the in the like collegiate system, because everything is kind of stacked on top of each other and everybody's doing like a million things at once yeah when this would happen and they would go to like a medical professional they would just be put on birth control and said well here you'll get your period back now and there was no other like way of dealing with that problem it wasn't like hey are you like eating carbs at all to like fuel your running there was none of that none yeah it's it's really interesting to me that that's seen as a badge of honor in that community. And I'm curious, like anybody else that's listening to this episode, please tell me what's the experience in your world. I think that's common in a lot of different like sports and activities and stuff like that. Particularly, you know, I'm a dancer. I think that happens to a lot more dancers than we care to admit as well. But I've always found that it definitely wasn't something that you would like brag about or, or talk about, even though like I knew people that it happened to people that were friends of mine that would maybe, you know, like it would come out, but people definitely weren't bragging about that. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, again, this is a small, small uh, sample size for me, Uh but um, these are just anecdotal things that I've heard of people who have come through the collegiate experience of running. Yeah. Um, And, and it's, almost like a breeding ground for an eating disorder is kind of how I feel about things like that. It's just, how could you not come out of that and not question some, something about like, am I supposed to feel this way? Am I supposed to look this way if I'm a runner? Yeah. I think there's probably, I have to imagine, even though running's not as like aesthetic or like artistic of an activity as something like, you know, dance or figure skating or gymnastics, I definitely think there's this idea in a lot of people's head of heads of what a like quote unquote runner should look like. Do you see a lot of people trying to conform to that or being overly concerned with that? Yes. And I, I do to give the running community a, a, some credit that I think they are trying to sway the other direction, but yes, I mean, the, the typical runner quote unquote is going to be a tall, skinny white person, um, mm-hmm. male or female. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of just the, the, you know, stereotype that goes along with it. And so if yeah. you are not that, um, you know, it could be hard. It could be hard to fit in, or it could be just a barrier in general. Like, well, if I don't look like that, maybe I don't belong there. Yeah. Um, And it, and that's the sad thing because once you're in a community, they are so welcoming and they're so helpful to each other Yeah, in general. And so getting, getting like more people involved in that community is, I think something that obviously they're trying to do, but it's, it's a slow process as with anything. Um, But yeah, it's, it's like a stereotype of you're tall, thin and white. Yeah. And I think to kind of go along with that, thinking about stuff that I've been talking to my clients a lot about recently, first of all, running is hard, right? Like strength training is hard in its own different way, but like the weights are supposed to feel heavy. And when you're running, you're going to get your heart rate up. You're going to get sweaty. You're going to be out of breath. And I think there can be a lot of shame around that for people. This is normal, Liz, right? Like when we run, we should like our heart and we should be out of breath and and sweaty, right? Yeah. That's what cardiovascular work does. That's the whole point. 
that's the whole point that I have to imagine for people who kind of feel like, oh, this should be easier or feel some kind of shame for being out of out of breath or, you know, having their heart rate get really elevated or whatever. Um, yeah, there, there's just this like struggling. Yeah. The struggle of the beginner or the person who doesn't quite fit that stereotype. Yeah. Right. For sure. For sure. See how it would be really easy for somebody who is feeling that way to be like, oh, well, I don't look like a runner and this is hard for me. And so I'm not going to keep doing this. I quit. Right. Yeah. That would be, that's a, that's a big barrier. Yeah. Because just like with anything, who talks about their struggles? Not a whole lot of people. Uh -uh. So. Um, you know, if you see runners, a lot of times they love to talk about their long runs and they love to talk about how hard it was, but they don't get into the nitty gritty of, well, I thought, you know, I thought about quitting at this point, or I thought about, you know, slowing way down, or I thought about walking for 30 seconds. You don't hear Hmm. that particular detail a whole lot. It's just like, oh, I went on this this interval run and it sucked so bad, but there was there, that'll be kind of where it ends. Yeah. And you, with the inflection that you say that it almost sounds like a badge of honor sucked. Like it sucked so bad and I did oh, it. Yeah. So like, you know, yeah. all I ate was a, I don't, I don't know, whatever the hell runners eat those little jelly things. The j- gel packs. Yeah. Yeah. All I ate was a gel pack. <laughs> yeah. That it was one so thing bad, I could never get into, never could get into the gel packs. Salute to all the people who can eat the gel packs. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so like with people that kind of get sucked into that, how do you help your clients navigate that and, or do they even care? Or is it just like, like a lost cause for some people, do you think? Um, so I, I would say I have been doing this long enough to where I think as our friend, Christina Montalvo says, you're going to kind of attract the people that you attract based off of how you present yourself and, and train people as a, as a trainer. Sure. And so I think that I've come across a few people that, um, are very ingrained in that culture and then they've either left or transferred to another place or whatever. And, and I don't really see a whole lot of them anymore because I am not down with that. Yeah. Um, Now I will say I have plenty of people who have gone in and out of struggles with Uh that type of thinking. And again, because I went through it myself. So I, you know, probably attract that similar mindset. Um, It's a, it's a conversation we kind of have to always be thinking about, at at least on my end as a trainer is like, Uh um, and, and even if you're a runner, who's not super into diet culture, it's a very easy thing to, do too much of Mm -hmm. um, because it's a very repetitive thing, right? One foot in front of the other. And um, they think, well, if I want to get better, I should just keep doing more. And so even, even just in general, it's like, I always have to rein them in versus push them to do their thing. I've never had a problem telling a runner to run. I've never had a problem telling a runner to run because they know they're supposed to run. Um, So people who are running too much, it's almost the same, same vein, right. Where you're maybe running too much and not eating enough. So mm-hmm. I always kind of like have to gauge, like, do they look like they're tired? Do they look like they're ready for this? We've always, and I'll ask, I'll say like, you know, have you been eating well? Have you been sleeping well? Um, and, and they know, like, they know by now, like, I'm not going to take that shit <laughs> pretty right. much. Like if you're not eating, then we're not going to train properly today because because you don't have the fuel in your body right well and it's like we sometimes we think about like oh like the best way to train and like you need to be like you know running at this pace at these intervals and whatever and you need to be lifting like these weights and these many reps and this many sets and blah 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 and you're trying to build up but if you don't have like the food the sleep like all of that recovery in place Mm-hmm. It's, it, it almost, I don't want to say it like negates your workout. That's not what I'm saying, but it almost like misses the point exactly. of, of lifting. Like you're throwing away other very good things. Right. And then adding on another good thing, but like at the detriment of that. So you're kind of like trading one for the other. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, I, that's what it is. It's, 
it's um and it and it all bases out of diet culture it's all because women in particular but everybody mm-hmm. have been told that this is what you look like especially if you're a runner and mm-hmm. so you better do your best to look like this and so if you're not going to if you're trying to cut back on carbs but you're training for a marathon how in the world how in the world are you going to run 17 miles on a saturday if you right. haven't had carbs right and it's almost like to your point thinking about whatever work you go or what whatever work you put in to prepare for your client it's like this isn't going to help you if you didn't eat anything and it's almost like right not my fault if you don't do well at your race if you refuse to eat oh yeah i mean and yeah I, I, again i i don't deal with that as much because That's- I just have, I don't know, maybe I've weeded them out. I don't know, (laughs) but it is, it's a thought that's in a lot of people's heads that I have to kind of gauge and see, like, are we, are we slipping down that path again? Are we thinking about slipping down that path again? How are we doing up here? Uh-huh. to my head <laughs> Yeah. versus how are we doing in the legs? How are our legs feeling? How's our head feeling? Yes. Right. And, you know, when we talk about all of this, I want to be clear. I don't, I'm not saying that I'm blaming the runner for oh, feeling no. this way. I mean, it's like, we know it's, it's the fucking soup we're swimming in. Um, diet culture just kind of I like, like that. The soup we're swimming in. Yeah, that's true. We're, I don't know why we're swimming in soup, but apparently <laughs> in soup, but we are, it's just like, like we're all we're so, eating a shit sandwich, right? Yes. We are eating. <laughs> I have the craziest imagery. I'm like, we're swimming in soup, <laughs> sitting on shit sandwich wraps. <laughs> I think I need a nap, but, um, Oh my God. I, me too. We both do. A lap happy. But to be clear, I don't want to say that I'm blaming any of the runners for feeling this way because I think running in a way, and I think like many activities can be a bit of a double-edged sword, meaning it can bring so, so many good things to your life and also so quickly spiral into a different direction that's maybe not so healthy. What are some of the positives and negatives that you see around running? Okay. Um, well, I'll start with the negative so that we can end more positively on this Great. point. At least. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the negatives, I think we kind of just were touched, touched. Wow. We just touched on them <laughs> and, and that is overdoing it. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, not necessarily just a runner thing. That's an athletic thing, an athlete thing. Um, More is not always better, but not everybody knows that. And not everybody knows when they're doing too much either. Yes. It's it's like one of those things where you're in the situation, you don't quite see it as clearly as when you're step taking a step back. And so the over, the overtraining and the under eating is obviously a negative thing. And the, and the fact that it's wrapped up in this, patriarchal white supremacist thing where this is your ideal body and this is what you have to look like to do this thing yeah so those are you know those are some negatives and you know i can't really say there's many other negatives i mean i'm not gonna say there's a whole lot of negatives when you're moving your body overdoing it um so the positives are gonna be your health you're gonna feel better you're going to um do your daily activities better. And that's what we all want to do, right? That's why most of us are training. Um, if you have kids you're, you're or grandkids, even you're going to be able to run around and keep up with them more. Um, or, you know, um, go out and, uh, have, you know, a catch session with, with a friend or anybody you're going to yeah. be, you're going to be more healthy and able to do these things. And, and I, I don't know. It's just being active leads to a more healthy and longer quality of life. And yeah. so of course, if you're running and it's accessible, like I said, that's a very positive thing. You know, you need a pair of shoes and a safe place to run. Right. Um, so, you know, not super hard to get into. Yeah. So it's super positive in that regard as well. 
I think a lot about I because I used to run. Um, I started running when I was in high school, and for me, it was more of a like like a mental release for me. It was something that I did because I just remember being very like angsty about boys mostly. Um, <laughs> like I just had a lot of drama surrounding that. And I grew up with parents who were into running. Like I can remember and we lived by like a park with a big like run and bike trail and stuff ever since I was like five years old. Like my parents would go on runs and we would go down to the park as a family. And like, you know, I would ride my bike on the trail or like rollerblade or something. And then when I got a little older, I decided to try the running thing. And I just remember it being like so good for my head. Like I always felt so yeah. much better after going on that run. And then like the runner's high, they say. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. real. It's real. And I haven't found that in in a long time. I think I kind of was one of those people who took running to a really disordered place. And then I just had to let it go for a while. But I am, and we'll get into this later. I'm a little bit curious about how those of us that have, I guess, abused things like running can get back into it in a more like balanced way. But before we get into that, I actually want to acknowledge something that you said when you were just talking before I forget, which is when you kind of have this like athlete's mentality, right? Like when you grew up, you know, doing track, for example, like you did, or like I did competitive dance and then like being a college dance major and stuff like that. And, um, you know, dancing professionally after, and we could even talk about like all kinds of professional athletes, not just runners. We have a very skewed idea of what is a quote unquote normal amount of exercise and movement. Because when you're in that like really competitive place, when you're in season, when you're like at the top of your game, that's almost like your whole job. I mean, for some people, it literally is their job. And so you're doing so much activity. But then when you're not getting paid for it, sometimes I think those of us who have that more athletic background can get a really skewed idea of what a normal amount of movement is. Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. Cause I struggled with this too. Um, when I, I mean, I obviously, when we can talk about it, took it way too far, but on the, on the, along the lines of that, like I, when I was a track athlete in high school, you know, it was five days a week of practice and then meets were on Saturdays. Yeah. Um, and so that's six days of the week where you're worried about your, you know, quote unquote athlete uh, body and how you're taking care of it and how you're training and and you're putting in a lot of time. Right. Um, but that is not necessarily normal for somebody who is not a quote unquote competitive athlete. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not the same. And, and I get it there. The running community is a very competitive community, right? There are races, they race to, to, you know, beat the time and PR and all that. And that's great. Like that's a great motivator. It can be, but that's not why everybody does it. Some people, like you said, just like the way it feels, they want to feel better. Um, and they want to, you know, get cardiovascular work in or some conditioning work in. And so if, if that's all you want to do, there is absolutely no reason to be out there six days a week. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And I'm, you know, thinking about like when you're a competitive athlete, like whether you're, you know, in high school or college or you're a professional and that's literally your whole job. I think about how much, like how many fewer responsibilities most of us had then, you know, yes. maybe you were in school, but like you didn't have a full-time job. You didn't have a kid, a dog, like a mortgage payment. You know what I mean? Oh my God. Yeah. When you're, and even if you're a collegiate athlete too, same thing. I mean, I don't know many collegiate athletes that also have full-time jobs in addition to their schooling, right? right. Cause you got to go to school too. You do. And it's almost like, it's almost like if you're a, an athlete in high school or college, that is your job. Yeah. And, and that's it. So yeah. if you have a job that is not running, you don't have to be doing it six days a week. If right. you have the time and you like it, maybe sure. But like, it's not necessary. It is absolutely not necessary to be doing two a days or, or right. six days a week or anything like that. Yeah. So, okay. That being said, if you're somebody who is thinking about getting back into things like running again. Do you have any tips 
for improving your capacity for cardiovascular fitness type things when you're mostly into strength training? Yeah. Um, I would say if, if you're strength training on a regular basis, right? Like if this is the scenario, um, I would say, um, and this is obviously going to depend on where you do your strength training. I would say just add some conditioning work that is a run, um, either at the end of your work or in the middle of your, your, um, you know, your strength training sets. Um, you could put it at the end as like a finisher, a quote unquote finisher uh-huh. you could do. Um, and I would start very light. I would not say, you know, do, do a heavy squat, you know, a max rep five set, you know, thing, and then go run for 10 minutes. Yeah. That is not what you should be doing. I would say do a 30 second on 30 second off run for two to three minutes after you're done. Yeah. See how that feels. Um, and then you can build from there, right? Like it does not have to be all in all, all right away. Mm-hmm. Um, see how that feels, you know, and then maybe you work it down to, you know, 40 seconds running and 20 seconds of rest. And, and yeah. then eventually, you know, you're running for a minute straight and then two minutes straight. And then, you know, okay, my finisher today, I'm going to go run for five minutes. Yeah. Um, You know, and just slowly build into it. See how it makes you feel. And you're, you're advising that we do it at the end of a workout versus the beginning. Because why, Liz? Tell, tell all the people why we should do this. Because I get questions from my clients about this all the time, but I want to hear it specifically from somebody who works with, with runners who lift. Okay. So, um, well, there's a multitude of reasons <laughs> and obviously every situation depends. Love that answer. Um, but especially when you're starting out and you are already training and you know, you're going to go train, you know, you're going to go lift and you aren't sure how to start a new habit. You stack it on top of the habit you're already know you're going to do. Great. Um, so that is like, I know I'm going to go and I'm going to be at this gym and I'm going to squat today. And then at the end of my squats, there's treadmills right over here. And I'm going to run for 30 seconds and then rest for 30 seconds. And I'm going to do that two more times. Yep. So it's, it's a habit stacking device on top of also, if you're regularly strength training and not running, and then you go and try to run and then lift, you're going to be gassed. Yes. (laughs) So I do not want you to try something new and then go and do a heavy lift or even a lift, right? Like whatever it is that you're doing. Right. Um, so try the new thing after you've done the thing, you know what you're doing and add it on. And, uh, you know, if you really, really like it, maybe you'll end up in the running community and the run groups at your, at your, uh, city or, or whatever your town, but yeah, you know, it doesn't have to be that way either. Mm-hmm. And what if you wanted it to happen? Like, say, say we've already got the habit, like we're already pretty good and we're, we're going to move and say you're, your strength training, I don't know, two to three times a week, you're lifting weights. How might you like sprinkle a run into your mix during the week? Like say I'm going to go for a longer run and by a longer run, I don't mean like, you know, like of like a, whatever people do, like the, like three mile, not three miles, like three hour runs that oh, they yeah. Saturday. I, I'm just talking about like, let's, right. let's call it like, you know, 20 minutes or more run in my yeah. mind. Where would you put that in your week? Um, so if you're strength training two to three times, I would put the run in between, like if you have a rest day in between a strength session, I would just do it then, um, you know, at, at the normal time where you would, would have lift, like if you lift at, you know, 9am every day, I would go and do that same thing at, but run at 9am, um, make it easy, make it easy to be, to get into it. Yeah. And that run in between, I think can also help with, with recovery from lifting too. Exactly. Exactly. In that way, you know, just getting your blood circulating again, and maybe yeah. you have more to add getting about moving, but that can, that can also be helpful if you're doing both. I yeah. Think. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's all about the balance, right? You don't want to do too much of one or the other. You want to do a nice balance of both strength yeah. and conditioning. Imagine that. Yeah. A hundred percent. Um, how, 
I guess, how do you balance that? Like if you're really, if you're really into both. So like you're into running and maybe sometimes you're even doing like races and stuff, but you're also into lifting too. Yeah. Um, and we have some people that are like this. I would say yeah. the majority of the runners that I train though are very into running. Yeah. Um, but we have a few sprinkled in there that love both. Um, and so those are the people that are going to probably only strength train twice a week. Okay. Um, and the way we, at least I set that up is, um, one day is going to be kind of a, a nice, um, I'm going to use trainer lingo here, a nice unilateral lift on the lower body mm -hmm. because that's what running is. It's one side at a time. Yep. <laughs> Um, and then the other day is going to be more of a like core and stability based. Uh -huh. And I will have them do that after a long run. Okay. To kind of work it out, calm it down, move through it. And it's not, it's never heavy. It's all about stability and moving and mobility through the joints after yeah. a long run. Um, and then you can do the other day, the, the like, heavy lift day. Um, I would schedule that around like the day after a like hard run workout, where if you're doing like an, inter an interval training run, I would do it after that, like the next day. Okay. So, and that's going to be something very specific. Sorry. No, I was going to say, is there a reason you would put it there? Um, it's based off of, I cannot remember the study. Um, so I can't quote it. Um, but basically there's been research done on, um, doing a, a like hard run with a, with like a speed interval or something attached to it. And then, and then supplementing that with a lift within like 12 to 24 hours. Oh, um, cool. that's interesting. If you happen to find that study, send it to me and I can link I, it. I will definitely do that. I know that I have that. I have it somewhere. So, yeah. um, but I, I mean, obviously if that does not work for your schedule, that is fine. Yeah. We are not, not all of us are getting paid to run. Right. So great. Don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Exactly. So I have plenty of people that aren't running that, that specific schedule because it just doesn't work, um, for their schedule. Um, as long as you are running though and lifting twice a week and you're running like, you know, five days or whatever it is, you're, you're doing both. You have an incredible balance and you have, um, you're living like a very healthy daily life where, you know, if you need to go chase after your dog, cause they got out of, off the leash, you're going to be able to, to do that. Okay. I have a question for you now. And this is like yeah. totally off the cuff. Cause you mentioned like five days of running and like yeah. two lifting, but like, what if I want to lift more and run less? You can do that. Cool. You can do that. <laughs> if you, if you like, run, yeah. Like it's, it's, it's up to each person. Like if you want to, if you're not like a hardcore, I'm going to race and I'm going to run this half and I'm going to PR. Yeah. Then by all means, just run a run two or three times a week and lift three or you know run yeah. once a week and lift three I don't care well and it's it's funny because it's like I'm I'm asking you as the person who works with runners more and yeah. I'm also asking you as a trainer myself who far too often seeks permission for things when I very well know the answer and this is exactly what I would tell my clients same as you just said if you're not like trying to PR your race time or whatever it really doesn't matter. Like a lot of times when my clients talk about like, you know, should I run first or should I run later or whatever, right. I always, you know, encourage them to prioritize whatever the thing is that is the most important to them. Yes. You know, like if you're trying to, if you're trying to PR your back squat, don't go for like a long run first in the morning. Exactly. <laughs> but like if you don't, you know, if you don't really care how heavy you squat, then you could, you know, go for a run and then do some squats later if you want to. Are you going to PR your squat? Probably not. But like, can you still do some kind of squat? Sure. Yeah, exactly. And and another thing, and this is like, I'm glad you brought that up too. It's like, that's another thing that can you can kind of get caught up in yeah. as a runner is PRs. And it's like, 
if everybody PR'd all the time, we'd be running races at zero seconds, right? Like it just yes. doesn't work like that. No. You're not going to PR every time. You're not going to run your best race every time you race. And that's okay. Yeah. That's totally fine. We are all human and we all function like on a day by day, minute by minute basis. So it's totally fine. And it's great if you PR and I'll celebrate with you, but if you don't, I'll celebrate that you finished. You did it. And there's still like with running, I have to imagine much like strength training or anything like progress is not, you know, just like a straight arrow up into infinity. There's going to be like a lot of ebbs and flows. And I talk about this with pretty much everybody that Mm -hmm. I interview on here about, you know, periodization. Like when we're programming for our clients, you're going to program periods of higher intensity and lower intensity built into the training. And I think we need to get a whole lot more comfortable accepting that that's a very natural part of of all things, you know, and it's like, if you build it in, sometimes your body will build it in for you. Right. Yeah. And, and like, that's a, that's a great point too, because if I have runners who, like, I have a client who is very much a, an extremely fast runner. Like the last marathon they ran was a two thirty, two hours and 30 minutes. They ran 26.2 miles, which is incredibly fast. How, what, what, I'm trying to even do the math. What pace is that? I can't remember. It was something sub six minute miles though. Um, wow. I, I, I don't remember. I'd have to like go and calculate it again. <laughs> um, so obviously somebody like that is going to train differently than somebody who is just gonna, just wanting to, to compete like run the race, right? Like, yeah, I'm going to periodize, like you said, a lot differently because this person already right now for spring marathon season is running 20 miles on their Saturday long runs. So yeah. I'm clearly going to schedule, I'm going to schedule lifting differently for somebody yeah. like that. Definitely. You know, it's, it's, and it's that lovely, it depends thing. Like you're, you're, you're not, it's not, you know, you're not going to die. Everything's fine. You're going to, you're going to take it the way it comes. And we're going to, we're going to lift heavy now. And maybe not then we're going to lift heavy at this point. Maybe not now. Yep. Yep. And it's not going to, it's not going to change. The world will not fall apart. (laughs) Not because of that. Anyway, there's plenty of other reasons. Everyone, the world is going to fall apart for reasons that have nothing to do with your running and your strength training. So <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I laugh so I don't cry. Right. Oh I cry. Um but okay. Do you have any thoughts on how to improve your relationship with running and cardio if you previously used it as compensatory behavior? I guess how do you avoid slipping back into that like I want to say all or nothing, but actually for a lot of us I feel like it's all or all. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. That's actually kind of my, I won't, I won't, don't, don't say biggest area of expertise, maybe my biggest area of experience in this as a trainer and runner. So I call myself a retired runner (laughs) because, because I obviously was a runner in high school. And then fun fact, if nobody out there knows, I had a child when I graduated high school, like right out of high school. And so I didn't do a whole lot, uh, for a few years. And then I, the diet culture kind of crept right into me, um, after high school and I, you know, you have a baby, your body changes period. Um, and so I thought, well, you know what? I know how to run. I'm going to start running again and training for five K's and 10 K's. And so it started off as like a little innocent thing. Like, oh, I, I, I should be active again. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it quickly, quickly became like, how can I burn the most calories every single day? Mm. How can I do this? And so I would run, I would lift, I would do aerobic classes. I would do so many things I was doing, uh, like a run in the morning and a lift in the evening and doing that a couple times a week. And, um, extremely disordered, like counting out almonds, right? Like Liz, I've done all of these things. (laughs) I never want to count almonds again. No, 
can we can we live in a world where we don't count almonds and we don't measure a tablespoon of peanut butter for yes. the love of god let's not yeah. measure our peanut butter um anyway um so this was me this was me i was running to burn the most calories uh-huh. and i think that a lot of um people get into running for that reason and yeah. I, and i am not saying that everybody does but i think there are at least a healthy handful that do uh-huh. because one it's accessible and two it's like well i know i'm going to burn calories cuz my heart rate's going to go up yep and so i would say and, and what i had to do is just stop mm. because and i and i think i'm at a place now obviously it's been years where i can run and it's fine like yeah. it doesn't bring all of that back for me but for a very long time it was like well, if I'm running, I got to go, I got to go, I got to burn, 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 burn. Yeah. Um, so I would say, um, first and foremost, if you start to run again, and that's what's coming up for you, like, that's something you got to see, you got to step back again, and you got to assess, like, is this actually a healthy time for me to do this? And um, I recommend this to everybody, literally everybody, therapy, <laughs> yeah. go talk to a therapist about that and try to work through that feeling. Um, yeah. But if you are really feeling like you're in a better spot, maybe, or you're working toward that better spot with your health and fitness and um, hashtag wellness culture, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, and you're out of that kind of dark arena of your life, as I called it, um, I would kind of do almost like what we talked about before. Give yourself two, three, four minutes, go and try it. And if you find that you still like it um, and it's not bringing up these terrible, like less than feelings and like, I need to do more, I need to burn and Uh all that, um, then, then, you know, build it back in, you know, if it's something you're enjoying, yeah, slowly work that back into um, your schedule. (laughs) Excuse me. I really love what you said. Um, I think just about like five minutes, even, you know what I mean? At the end and starting really small, I think about, I'm loving the idea right now because I cannot fathom it is still cold here in the Chicago area. (laughs) I cannot fathom like all, all of you that do outdoor activities in the cold, bless your heart. It is not me, but I'm thinking about how the weather's going to start to be getting warmer around here. I really like my neighborhood and I was thinking about like, hmm, this summer, maybe I'll start to explore getting back into some running again. Um, But I like the idea of like five minutes, like I can run around my block one time and be done and that's enough. And sometimes we forget that that's enough. Right. Yeah. Even I forget. You you forget because the last time you did this, it was like, well, I need to go all out and burn as many calories as I possibly (laughs) can because, you know. I have to be as small and hot and sexy as possible, yeah. you know, or whatever the thought was it's, it's, and then when you take a step back, it's like, wait, wait, who says I have to run a 5k? Yeah. I don't have to, I don't have to do anything. I don't have to do shit. Uh-huh. I, if I want to, if I only want to run for five minutes, I can only run for five minutes. Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. I feel like that's a great note to end on, but is there anything else that you wanted to add anything that we didn't get to touch on or anything that we missed? Um, oh my gosh, I don't know. <laughs> I, this is a bad day to ask me something like that. I, my brain is tired. <laughs> that's all right. If there's nothing this week, else this week, like it was one of those weeks it just kind of fell apart as it went. It was it was one of those weeks for me as well. I mentioned before we hit record on this thing. I was like, there aren't many people that I feel like I'd want to talk to at the end of this week. But Liz, you've definitely been one of them. So thank you for, for parking up my Friday afternoon. <laughs> yes. Yes. I feel like we need we both should go take a nap now. Um, yes, I'm actually considering, except for my, my cold brew is uh oh. <laughs> is coming back in and my my Alex Mack cup. Yes, yes. I have to tell the people about <laughs> I, I'm drinking from one of those wine sippy cups. Um, it's like a metal one, like a stainless steel thing, um, but it has cold brew coffee in it. And 
I pulled it up and like the light from my closet was glaring off of it. And Liz thought I had this like silver, like dripping liquid just coming down. Right upon me and it made me think of that show the secret world of alex mack from nickelodeon that is like the most millennial thing to say right now but if i was you know, gonna say for all the millennials out there yes alex mack was, was was she was the bomb he was and my my cup looks like her anyway i am awake now with my <laughs> alex mack cup so i think we're good but liz where can the people find you uh how can they work with you um i am actually uh only and I I can take some virtual clients, but I am not taking new clients currently. Oh, um, to have it is <laughs> it is. Um, I am not taking new clients, but I am dispensing knowledge, as one might say, <laughs> on my Instagram. If you would, if you want to follow, um, it is at it's me Liz B, and I will like to that. It's it is it's B. I love it. I um I will B. link the Liz in the show notes and I have to give you props, Liz, on Instagram because I feel like that's how we like befriended each other. Um yeah. we just started following each other through one of I think we met through one of Christina's uh Christina. Yeah. Yeah. And then you were like, so, you've always been such a super fan of my content. Like you always repost <laughs> my things. It's so good, Jenna. <laughs> Thanks, Liz. <laughs> but we just like that got us into like all of the the dm conversations and all of that so i am so thankful to have gotten to know you and to bring you to my audience so follow along with liz for more fun and witty banter and i think that's all we have for today yay yay <laughs> thanks liz we'll talk soon thank you I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Liz as much as I did. I'll be sure to link to all of her information in the show notes. And thanks for listening. Have a great day. Have a great week. And we'll talk soon. Thanks again for tuning into Tough Cookie Talks. I'm so glad you're here. If you want to learn more about me and how we can work together, visit my website, itsjennaj.com or follow and tag me on Instagram at itsjennaj. I would love to hear from you. If you liked this episode and want to hear more, make sure you click subscribe and follow along so that you don't miss a single show. Then take a moment and leave me a five-star rating and review so that we can help this podcast and this message reach even more people. Have a great week and we'll talk soon.